You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. This is the No Doubt About It podcast. No doubt about it. And now your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti. Um, okay, so Guy, uh, hey, Els, oh yeah, I should have put the shot up. Yeah, apparently. Gosh, she's a little quick off the uptake today. She is. She's like, I'm going to show mom's, mom suddenly now is in the forest. Mark just thought it'd be a good idea when I was downstairs if he could move the tree that was behind, that I had put behind him. Right. That had like Christmas lights, kind of looked a little Christmassy. Yeah, the guy moved it over by me now. Yeah. And now I look like I'm in a forest. It is. Well, I think a couple of things are helping that look. <laughs> yes. I think first and foremost, you have, you look a little bit like, you know, you're, you're part of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right, the right characterization. You're like BLM meets forest service with that, with the green top. It looks solid. It looks like authoritative. You're like, wait a minute. You're not cutting down that tree. You don't, Whoa. you do not have a license to Whoa. cut down that tree. You are ripping then, on my banana Republic sweater and saying, I look like I work for BLM. Well, maybe forest service. Yeah. <laughs> my brother worked for the forest service. Yeah, they're great. I assure you his uniform did not look like this sweater. Well, and I will say that the, the tightness of the shot <laughs> makes this tree. A, Look yeah. super bizarre. I'm going to get some fake animals and I'm going to put them in there. I have yeah. some fake birds. I'm going to start sticking stuff in there just for fun. Now, if this thing's staying here, guy, yeah, staying well, here? I don't know if I see it staying there because it does look a little bit like a cell phone tower masquerading as a tree. <laughs> So you're looking at it like, am I going to get 5G out of this thing? Like well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering when when we look at that shot. Like well, there it is. The, like the thing yeah. is, is like I I do do staging and design for a living. So well, this is exciting here. Yeah, yeah, this isn't on my record, guy. I didn't do okay. this. Yeah, this wasn't me. Okay, this is all you. I'm gonna. Tr- we're gonna try to rearrange some stuff. But anyway, we do have some serious things to talk about yes. today, other than just our little crazy set design and my green sweater that looks like BLM apparently. Anyway, so in in just a few minutes, we're gonna have on Marie Rogerson. She is with Moms for Liberty. Yeah, uh, she's coming into Albuquerque to lead a seminar uh, this weekend, and we're gonna tell you a little bit about that. I believe she's gonna talk about that well, and what what folks could know. And it's not our custom to put on people that are as as dangerous as the Moms for Liberty. Oh, they're extremists. They, they're an extremist group. I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you've read the headlines, but they are. We're going to talk about that. It's too. unbelievable. A group yeah. of moms called an extremist by extremists. So right. we'll yeah, we'll get into that in, in, in a little bit as well, and we'll draw a couple stories out on that too. But we have some fun things to share too. We've have lots of comments that have come in. One that was pretty interesting for us. Um, well, we got a couple. We got a few on the uh, Walt having Walt Benson on county yeah. commissioner, also yeah. a good financial planner. He came on to give a lot of tips. If you haven't seen that episode, it was two episodes ago. People wrote in and said, "Thank you so much for the information. He was really interesting." Um, how can we find out more about how to find Walt? And we said it at the very end of the show, but the website is Zanetti Financial, so you can look him up that way, and you can definitely find him yep. as well. And yep. So he is a bank of knowledge, no pun intended. Um, so he, so thanks for those comments, and then. Fun story, Ava took me to her favorite new hang. Okay. okay. And it was in um, Corrales. Okay. It's called Corrales Tea and Chocolates, I think is what it's called. Okay. Super cute little tea shop. And yeah. I love tea. Like, okay. I'm a high tea girl. I love high tea. I, lo- I mean, you watched out Nabby. I'm I'm there. You know, and I've tried to take you to high tea, which is an epic failure. <laughs> 
No, it's just like serve the food. Like, don't be like, hey, I'm going to give you a sandwich, but only a third of it. It's like, yeah. no, that's not okay. They give you a ton of it, no, though, guys. Send, send a large sub in there and let's get this thing oh, done. Gosh. It's sucking down some some tea along with a real meal. Yeah. Fr- just a fresh tip. Don't ever take Mark Ronchetti to high tea because it's. Yeah. That and sushi. He's done in like 20 seconds at high tea and he says, what do we do now? And I'm like, "Uh, we drink tea and talk. And he's like, oh my gosh. I mean, that just sounds awful. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. (laughs) And I'm a big fan. And so is Ava and Ella. But this little tea shop is not high tea. This is just a place you can go and you order tea, sit down. But anyway, so she took me there because she was just, she loves it. And the the woman who, I believe she's the owner, she's the manager. She came up and wanted to talk to us and just told us that she loved the show and she's a big listener. And then another lady who just happened to be in there, her name was Susan. She said that she watches our show. She loves the content. Very cool. And she was very excited to meet Ava. Oh, nice. Because Ava, she's like, you're the one that's behind the camera. You're the one that talks a lot and produces and stuff. So it was really cool. So thank you, Susan, for tuning in. And and she loves, she did mention she really loves our faith-based um, content, which of course I wish we could do that all the time, but we also feel compelled that we want to get people some information about things that are sometimes hard to talk about and yeah. maybe not, you know, super exciting all the time, but we really feel like it's helpful. We try to give some helpful information yeah, as well. Absolutely. Not very good. So, though. That's great. It's really nice to hear that actually. Yeah. No, we, everywhere we go now, it's good. Things are, are humming along. There's, right. there's definitely an we, expanded audience, which is great. That's what we're, that's what we're doing it for. And feel free to keep writing us. And if you want to make a comment or talk about a show, I do, we've gotten a lot of those coming in lately, which I appreciate that a lot of feedback on our preview special at the beginning of the year of what people would like to see. If you have more ideas on that info at no doubt about it, podcast.com is our email. Feel free to drop us a line. Also sign up for our email. Um, if you don't mind, it's on our website, which is just no doubt about it, podcast.com. And we can, um, share some information that we have brewing yeah. for you. As and make well sure you're, that. if you have not followed, uh, on YouTube and subscribed, We'd appreciate that as well. A review on Apple Podcasts is always great too. Yeah, those those reviews yeah. and those um, just likes and follows, they help us so much. And then what helps us do is build a bigger, larger analytics program. And that allows us to bring in more guests for you to give more you know, interesting content out into um, our viewership. So sure. please continue to do that. Anyway, speaking of viewers, we have one viewer that um, sent you quite a treat. For Christmas, Man, this was a this was a Michael was Simmons. Yeah, he, uh, he he took the liberty. He mailed this to you. Yeah, he did. So here's the deal. So he sent three different types of jerky, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll break these down for you. Um, uh, best to worst, actually. Uh, so he he actually we have camel jerky. Yep. Okay. Python jerky. Python. Yeah. Interesting. And, and kangaroo jerky. Yeah. And kangaroo. Now he did warn you and he was nice enough to write us an email first to see right. if you'd be willing to try this right. before he spent his money on it. Correct. And you said you betcha. Oh, heck yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I think a few things on this, uh, number one, the Python is actually the best Yeah. that I really did. I, I thought the Python was pretty solid. And I enjoyed it a little too much. I was like, well, this is fantastic. I'm going to start anytime I see a python anywhere, I'm going to chasing that thing around and just try to <laughs> just jerky that thing up. Please it, don't. it was pretty good. Uh, the camel wasn't bad. I just, the thought of the camel was tough. Right. I'm not going to lie. Right. Like, I don't think of camels and I don't think, well, nah, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. I kind of think, nah, not so much. Okay. Um, kind of think dry and I'm out there. It gets points for being super I'm in the Sahara and I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not points bad. Are- it, it didn't taste bad. I, I got to tell you, I'm not a big king kangaroo guy. Turns no, out, a little gamey. I'm not a roux guy. I mean, it's look, I, the roux is a cool animal, but I am not up for. I mean, I, I, I give it a shot, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't get very far through the roux. The only time I want to see kangaroos is in those punching videos where the guys just oh, yeah, punching them to get his dog back. Well, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I mean, look, kangaroos. 
Look, they want to fight. You, you look at them right away. You look at a kangaroo. You're like, are we doing this? It's the kangaroo's like, yes, we're doing this. Like, that's how it's going to go yeah. down. And and so sometimes you end up, you know, tangling with a kangaroo. But I will tell you, it's not worth the jerky portion of it. Okay. Okay. So but just something there to think the, about. You should have made a kangaroo character in the Looney Tunes. You think about the coyote and all that. Oh, yeah. the, the kangaroo would have been tough. Yeah. He could have just gotten into rounds well, and plus rounds. Plus, you'd have the, I mean, he's eating Vegemite sandwiches and doing that whole thing. <laughs> anyway, Michael, thank you for sending those in. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I wasn't brave enough to try any of those. Uh, yeah, Mark no. will eat anything, as I said, and that's yeah. why those came to you. Uh, yeah. But thanks for thinking of us, Michael, and thinking of Mark. We yeah. appreciate that. That was great. Okay, so one last thing that's just kind of goofy. So in the last couple of episodes, I don't know if you guys have noticed that um, sometimes, like, if you're watching on our YouTube, like a thumbs up shows up over, like, Mark's face or some of our guests or something like that. And we were, like, yelling at Ella about it, yelling at Ava, like, stop putting the like thumbs up on, on the video. And the girls were like, we had nothing to do with this. We don't know how this is happening. So we researched it, turns out. Uh, it's a new setting. On your, uh, yeah, on, our on the system we use, it's called OBS. It's a system we use to record this podcast. And so when, you, when you're on OBS and, and there's a setting that, that looks at your hands, and, and it will put up these things. So if I go with a thumb like this, mm-hmm. OBS will naturally put my thumb up, right? Right. And if I go double, double thumb, guns. like things yeah. are just, I'm killing yeah, it. You're killing double it. thumbs, little Trump double thumbs. <laughs> then you get the fireworks. fireworks. I love the fire. I yeah. love the fireworks. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic. Now, and that's do, not it. Do like the rocker. Oh, you want to rock the out? Rock it? Yeah. Is the rocking one? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it'll work. Yeah. If you do the rock out um, <laughs> situation. It'll work for me now. Okay. So if you, you go over it. to mine and, and you do this and you're doing basically the rock, then. <laughs> Then you're basically disco and it's fantastic. Yeah. And then, and then the Nixon. Oh yeah. Do the Nixon. Do you do the Nixon and you're like, you know, I am not a crook. And then it turns out. You have to aim it at the camera. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. There we go. I'm not a crook. And then there we go. (laughs) Confetti. I may not be a crook, but I am someone who's enjoying a nice confetti bath. And I think the last one is like, um, it's balloons. Oh, it's peace. Give the peace. Give oh, peace just the a chance. Peace yeah, let's see. Yeah. Oh, there, it there is, we go. The balloons. See, magic. I'm yeah. just going to do that all the time now. Yeah. No, we're going to turn it off because uh, it's a little distracting if you're trying to watch it. And then we see it pop up and we're like, what is happening? Yes. No, this that's is a very good crazy. point. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. No, okay. and we thought, unsolvable problem. This is the way we work. <laughs> we see something happen. And we're like, this problem is officially unsolvable. Right. So we're going to have to deal with this for the rest of our lives. Right. And then our 16-year-old says, I- I've got it. I In about it. 30 seconds. <laughs> right, right. She's like, I'm done. I've taken yeah. care of it, Dad. So. No, I, yeah, seriously. I get to the point where I'm like, well, I mean, this is just how the show's going to be now. And then <laughs> oh, she's sure. just like, she's like, what? We're going to have a thumbs up every 30 seconds? Like, I, what, what are we doing? So it was good. Oh, uh, anyway. All right. Well, that was... That's the fun we've got right now. Yeah. Okay. Now it's a little bit more serious. We're going to talk about. Well, a, a couple things. Uh, we've got some news items for you, and then, and then we'll get to the interview. Um, news item number one: the thirty-day legislative session has started. But okay. we're gonna we're gonna jump into this when we think it's necessary. Well, right out of the shoot, the governor comes out and tries to give her state of the state address, and turns out she had some helpers that were commenting while she was trying to give her speech and protesting as well. Let's take a listen to what that was like at the roundhouse on Monday. Okay. So what you're hearing, uh, it it was a dual protest. Okay. Part of it was, was people supporting Hamas. And then part of it was a climate Function protest. So, Ella, do we have number? Do we have number one? This is from Daniel Chacon's angle. Yeah, he he tweeted this. So let's show this one. Oh, 
Palestinians and kind of trying to pull the okay, people out. Okay, you can out. hear it there. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Okay, that so so again, we've talked about this before in, in what that statement means. That statement means that basically there is one country on the planet where Jews are the majority population, and that's Israel. And they're calling for wiping out the the Jewish people in Israel. Yeah, so that's that's what that stands for. Right. Okay? So it's okay now just to go to the roundhouse and just be anti-Semitic. Well, and that and that's sure what it sounds like. And and so what you find, and the governor's watching all this. Right. Kind of smirking, watching all this. And then she says these people are courageous. Oh, well, and she can't even get that. She can't even spit out the speech, you know, for for long periods of time while, while this is all going down. So, you know, what this what ends up happening is and this is what I tweeted about it. Right. as it right as it was all sort of going down? And that is that when you invite this kind of chaos in your party and you you accept it and you welcome it in, it, it never stops with just people you know, just protesting one party. It, it always comes after you. So it's a, what I said was no party can be built on the oppressed versus the oppressor culture. That's what this is. People that go and support Hamas believe that Hamas is oppressed and that Israel's the oppressor, even though Hamas when it goes in regularly and, and in the most vicious way possible, slaughters women and children. I mean, in the most vicious way possible, but they're the oppressed. So they can do whatever they want because everything is justified. So no party can be built on the oppressed versus the oppressor culture, which is, I think, what's happening right now in this country. It comes for everyone at some point. A party that runs cover and makes excuses for ahistoric anti-Semites will eventually be consumed by them. And that's, I think, what's happening right now. So I, I think there is a huge portion of the population, not only of the state of New Mexico, but of the country that is made up of you know, Democrats, of Republicans, of independents who understand how dangerous this is for the country. That oppressed versus oppressor thing and, and giving a pass to anyone who you view as oppressed and, and, and you don't care what they do. They can do whatever they want. They can get, they can, they can shut down bridges. They, they can go and attack people across the world and slaughter them at will because they view themselves as oppressed. That's incredibly dangerous. And I think what you start to see here is in the roundhouse, you see a group of people that come in and they go and end up in a in, in a protest, standing up, screaming. And you see it all over the all over the country and all over the world. These guys are getting in front of bridges. They think they're entitled to go do all of this. And to me, I think we've grown accepting of this. And, and, and if you're somebody who's of either a Jewish heritage or Jewish faith, I think what you're seeing here is the open anti-Semitism of people that are completely ignorant of the real facts. And that's why I say ahistoric, because when, when you go and call the Jewish people colonizers, which is what they do, and they've been there for 3,000 years before there was such thing as a Palestinian, it's absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I mean, we've been, we've talked about this off and on, even with just like the video from New York where they are blocking traffic, they're blocking the bridges, they're blocking. I mean, they're stopping people from going to get their kids. Um, it's, they're, you know, they're doing what they want to do, right? They want the exposure. They want to create chaos. It's just, it, it, and it's pathetic because if you really, like you said, if you look at the heart of this, it is, it is so racist at the very core of being a racist. That's what this is. Well, and it, and it, it seems that anything that, that goes after the Jewish people is just fine. Yeah, just of course. And, and that's why I think there are good, good people on all sides of this thing who know, meaning all sides, meaning all different parties in, in the country, all different political parties that understand how damaging this is. How, how, how this has gone too far. Yeah, it's gone yeah, way it, too it really far. Is. And I, and I think that's got to be, 
Understood. And, and, and if you go and look, and here's another example, for those of you that are watching us, a group of people got together at the White House, mm-hmm. right? Palestinian protesters, pro-Hamas in many cases, they started breaking down barriers to try to get to the White House. Did you see that everywhere? Now, if, if this had been a, a group of uh, MAGA protesters, right. you would have seen everybody talking about this. This would have led every single newscast. Nobody would have stopped talking about it. It would have been, this is out of control. This has to be dealt with. But because it was the Palestinian protesters, pro-Hamas protesters, who literally, had they gotten through those barriers know, and out. they started going for the White House, do you know what would have happened? They would have been mowed down by gunfire. Right. Thankfully, they didn't do. they didn't get to that point. Thankfully, that would have been horrendous. Okay, so if we keep letting these things happen and we keep letting protests continue to escalate without people being held accountable, it it really is. It's frightening to see. I mean, I I, the the thought that people think that that stopping traffic, trying to knock down a fence uh, in front of the White House. I don't know. Some of these things have gotten crazy where people have gotten hurt. People have gotten killed over at this. If you think that this is having impact on the on what Israel is doing to defend their country you have a, you're you're a moron like i'm sorry but you're mor- you're moronic about this but it also says more about the education level of people in this country and how they have zero understanding of what's happening and this gets down to the media partially breaking down and not covering stories not holding people accountable, not talking about what is really happening. When you do this and you give cover to people and you have groups that do things and you don't treat them equally, you don't go after, you know, certain groups, if you protest and things don't go well, well then look out, right? They dump on you. Other groups, boy, you can try to break into the White House and they they'll, they won't say a peep about it. Right, they won't and mention it, that. That hurts the country so, so badly. So I know we get on the media all the time, but they are so bad at what they do because they're so slanted and they're so incompetent that, that those two combinations tr- prove to be very, very dangerous. And well, if it continues, I, I don't I don't like where this is going to go because it, it, that lack of accountability hurts everybody. It hurts everybody and makes everything dangerous. Well, just like we talked about in the last episode with the border and the fact that if you don't tell the truth about what's happening at the border and people have this, you know, preconceived notion of like, oh, it's not as bad as what the Republicans or what the conservative folks are trying to make us feel. And they're just driving fear. Then it it, no wonder because the media is not telling the truth about it. And now we're seeing some of the media come out with it and it's dangerous and scary and people are starting to wake up. But it is the job of the media, in my opinion, to tell the facts, tell the facts, tell what's happening and leave the opinion and the context, which is what some of them even locally now are saying. We're going to give you context to a story. No, you're not. That's not your job. Not your job to offer context. That's our job because we're not the news, right? We're right. a talk show, basically, a, t- a talk podcast. Right. And that's very different than straight up news. Straight up news should not be offering context, in my personal opinion. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, look, I mean, and you can offer some details if you want on something. But yeah, I mean, and that is the problem with the context is, hey, here's how you should see yeah, this. Yeah, here, here's what's happening. Here Let me what tell you what everything yeah. you should think about this. So anyway. what's the governor going to go after in this session? Usually in a 30-day session, you talk about the budget. 
And that that will be talked about. Three and a half million dollars of adi- or a billion dollars of additional money thanks to oil and gas. It's gonna be a tremendous amount of money on that front. See so how that can, all goes. We can look for some rebates and some money back, kick back to the to you taxpayers. Know, I, I don't think so. It's I think coming it's, back our way, right? I'm, I'm afraid that what we're gonna do here is we're gonna make sure the government's as rich as possible. Oh, they're good. gonna have untold millions and then untold billions. And then you are just going to keep grinding. Oh, so that's where that's we are. That's awesome. And my GRT tax will just continue to climb. Uh, Maybe my property tax can go back up. Yeah, well, it'll be great. Uh, yeah. And, It'd be and, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And and really income tax is, is, is their mm-hmm. purview. Um, and so, but, but one thing that is getting a lot of attention, and that is the gun bills that the governor is uh, putting forward here. And, and it's, look, I, I think we've talked about this before, and we'll probably talk about this more going forward here. Look, there are a lot of things that need to be done to curtail crime. And one thing the governor has said that that came out and part of this was increasing penalties for people who use a gun in the commission of a crime. Good call. Great call. Bipartisan call. That I think will fly through. But if you're going to go try and ban weapons across the board in the state of New Mexico, some of what we've seen is effectively what will happen here is there'll be a a total new gun ban in the state of New Mexico for all intent and purposes. That's what some of these bills look like, which is completely out of line. It's basically saying we're not going to solve the crime problem, but what we will do is we're going to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, and we're going to make sure people who want to buy a gun can't do it in the state of New Mexico. Because I'll tell you, most of the crime that is committed in the state of New Mexico is committed by people who have either stolen their gun or not registered their gun or have not done it through lawful means. That's just a fact. That's not hard to figure out. So go after those people. Instead, you're going after law-abiding citizens and deciding, you know what? We're going to take the gun from you. Why? Because I want to make a political statement instead of solving a problem. You're not going to make this state any safer by going and telling people who lawfully own their guns, register their guns, have a concealed carry permit where they have additional training by telling them you don't get a gun anymore or you can't go buy a gun anymore. Beyond the constitutional ramifications, which it's totally unconstitutional too, by the way, but the fact is so many New Mexicans are buying guns now because they don't feel safe. So the answer from our government is no, you won't. And we won't solve crime either. So stick it. Well, and what's super interesting, and I would love to make sure some reporter out there maybe does the story. And I've mentioned this before is when she comes out bragging about, oh, her this all this work that she's doing basically by stripping away the Second Amendment rights. It's really fighting crime. We've collected so many guns and we've put so many people behind bars and da 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 da. How many of those guns were by lawful gun owners? Wanting a little bit of money. Yeah. How many were taken from the parks that she was like, you know, we're going to crack down on. uh, uh, Yeah. None. None of these are. And the people that you're putting behind bars should have been put behind bars before you stretch. Well, it's just like going in and every week talking about the number of people you arrest. Oh, you can do that. Absolutely. You can do that. But you're not arresting any more people than you have before in most cases. So it's just like announcing, hey, we arrested three thirteen hundred people. Okay, that's what police should do, and they do do when you allow them to do their job. So that's the part of it that's crazy is when you start announcing things that are part of your normal course of work, right. and then you're sitting there patting yourself on the back. Look, I think there's an opportunity here to 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 help with the crime situation. I really do. I, ju- I just think that we're not likely to see that in this particular case. And this is just it. When, when we have politicians who are more interested in making political statements than they are about actually solving problems, this is the problem that we get. So it's important that we stand up and say, wait a minute, let's solve the problem that we actually have, which is crime. 
But if you look at the wording, the governor put together a an editorial in the journal. And, and if you look at some of the wording in this journal editorial, un- unbelievable language here. And one of them is this. There are political forces who will oppose taking these weapons of mass destruction off the streets. An idiot that would put this down as weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Like, did nobody read that and say, do you know what a weapon oh, no, of mass ve- destruction is? No, this is very much designed for overheated political rhetoric to get what they want. I mean, that, that's just that's what this is designed for. Like that, and it's irresponsible, and it shows the kind of seriousness of the people. I think that, well, how serious the governor is, and the people who surround her. We we've wondered, you know, how in the world are you doing some of the stuff that you're doing, and and you see things like this. So look, these problems can be dealt with, and I think they need to be dealt with. Clearly, I worry that that that's not going to happen, but we'll see. We'll, we'll continue. When you to watch can't this. talk about this, you you add rhetoric that's just not true. And it's inflamed and it is just nothing to do with actually finding the solution. Like you said, I do not believe that there's any sort of context here that shows me that we're really going to try to find any actual solution here. We're just going to try to inflame this whole thing and make this all about politics. That's what this feels like to me. Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Next, next story. Um, Nella Domenici, who is Pete Domenici's daughter Mm -hmm. announced she's running for us Senate against Martin Heinrich. Well, Nella Domenici, um, right out of the shoot on Tuesday, she got Santa Fe New Mexican a little bit. Um, so <laughs> that's what we call it in our family. Yeah, when yeah. you get New Mexican, it which means, we've been New Mexican. Yeah, so yeah. Welcome we've, to the party. It's yeah, we've really been Santa fun. Fe New Mexican, which means the Santa Fe New Mexican goes and basically, you know, take basically takes a baseball bat out and tries to take you out at the knees. Yeah, because that's it, good reporting. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you knew that or not. Absolutely you know? it is. So so what happened? Well, Nell announces she's running. And so listen to these two middle paragraphs, which are just a classic when they carve her up on this one. Domenici, whose LinkedIn page says she's a senior financial operations executive, board director, philanthropist, did not make herself available for questions on Tuesday. Not a great move, admittedly, on that. A promised news release announcing her candidacy never materialized late Tuesday. That ain't good, okay? According to the bio on the Lanel Foundation website, Domenici has spent much of her career in the business world on the East Coast while also serving on nonprofit boards for organizations that focus on education, healthcare, and the arts. She is an undergraduate and law degrees from Georgetown University. She was born in Albuquerque and moved to Washington, D.C. after her family and her dad, Pete Domenici, was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1972. This okay. is what happens when you don't talk to the press. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, look, this is not, Nell will get beyond this. Okay. She will. But, but let's I, but, hope so. Let's hope the Santa Fe New Mexican isn't like the end all be all. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. And, but, but I do think it's an instructive lesson on don't ever let the New Mexican, uh, go without comment. Uh, you know, it depends on the issue of course, but when you're announcing, you know, make sure that you're setting the tone and know what you want to do. But this is classic New Mexican, which is, oh yeah, she never, she never even issued a press release. Oh, and by the way, she hasn't lived here since 1972. Mm-hmm. She's not really a New Mexican. That's what they're saying in that right. paragraph, which again, 
Nell will have a chance to defend herself and then put together a good campaign. Right. And so she can bring the fact that Martin Heinrich doesn't live here either. How well, about them apples? How about you throw is, that out there, too? Well, there's, yeah. I mean, look, I think she's going to have – look, they're going to have the opportunity to fight it out. We'll see what happens here and and see how everything goes. But it, it's We just, also got Ben Luna in there. Absolutely. Ben Luna's running. Ben Luna's in there. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and uh, Ben brings a different set of experience. And we'll talk about these guys going forward, too, as we head throughout the primary um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ben's been out there. He's been, he's got a social media presence and he's been someone who's been talking about issues for years, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we'll watch that. Uh, yeah, Manny Gonzalez, he's, he's thrown it in former Bernalillo County Sheriff and, and there'll probably be a couple more before all is said oh, and done. I imagine. I imagine so we'll see we'll what happens with mm-hmm. it. But as I read that, I was just like, especially when we talked about a story where the New Mexican went after us, you know, it's just when you get new, the Santa Fe New Mexican, I mean, you just kind of go, you roll your eyes. Is it a huge deal? It's not. Because, it's not. Because the New Mexican does not have necessarily a huge footprint, even in the even in the state of New Mexico. And, and you wouldn't expect in Santa Fe you're going to get a real safe shake on this whole deal. Can we but, call it a Milan too? There's also the Milan. Well, Milan's different. Yeah, Milan the gets you into the, yeah. too. Yeah, like, it's true. Though. It's gosh. true. Milan does get you. He's one of their uh, opinion writers. So, mm-hmm. okay. definitely got some opinions. All right, so you're up, guy. So this new proposed bill in Maine says the state can take custody of a kid if the parents oppose sex change surgery and the chemical castration of kids. It says here tomorrow a committee will decide if this bill is going to move forward. And it says the bill authorizes a count to to take temporary jurisdiction because a child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. If you disagree with this as a parent— and you use your parental rights to help guide your children. They can be ta- the, the state now can come in and take jurisdiction over your kid if right. this bill passes. What this is so infuriating to me about is that we've been talking about this stuff kind of off and on. Parental rights, how important it is for us to be fighting for these parental rights. Why it's important to be talking about bills that come into things like our state, right? Which have been coming on and on and on. When we talk about it on the show... There's just some fresh media that comes out to try to to tell people that we're just trying to drive fear, right? That that we're just driving fear, Mark. I don't right. know if you know that. Right. And so Elise Kaplan mm. wrote a story for Searchlight New Mexico that um you said the political minefield of parental rights in New Mexico, where she goes off on basically saying she named us specifically at, at one point. Because saying, we had just done a story that talked about these bills stripping parental rights in the state of New Mexico. And so, which all we were trying to do was pass that information along to parents because they should be aware of all this. And she, this is with the quote from her, from her article that said, some of the fears are being circulated by figures like Republican Mark Ronchetti, an unsuccessful gubernatorial candidate in 22 and U.S. Senate candidate in 2020, saying children of any age, including 12-year-olds or 5-year-olds, can get sex change care in New Mexico without their parents being notified. He and his wife asserted on a podcast they host. Which is... Absolutely true, by the way. Yeah, we didn't assert anything. We explained what the bill said. We had experts that came on about that bill that were fighting that bill and were discussing it and trying to pass that information on. If you try to pass information on, we're not giving you, we're not extremists. We're not out there trying to create havoc. We're trying to pass on information because parental rights are absolutely threatened. They're being threatened. And if you think they're not, you better wake up as a voter and as a parent, they're absolutely taking place. Well, in one of the arguments that she makes is this is overblown. It's not really happening. I talked to her on the phone and one of her big arguments is Elise says, Oh no, 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 no. This really is not. I mean, this sort of stuff is really not happening. This, this, the sort of thing is not happening. So 
we've talked about specific examples and one of those examples, and you can look it up in, and we, I, we happen to have the story from NBC on this show, and, and this is some of what's going on. So this gets to the other angle, which is some of it's parental rights, and some of it is when parents go and they take their kids headlong into this. That's the other side of this, and that's why I so disagree with Chris Christie and what's happening in Ohio, where you say, well, you just leave it up to the parents. No, you don't just leave it up to the parents. I think what you do is you wait till a child is 18 and they can make that call. That's what we're saying. So if you go and have a parent that's pushing a child to start to do either any sort of reassignment, whatever it be, whether it be through chemical means or whether it be through surgical means, I think the best thing to do is wait till that child is 18 years old and then they can make that choice. But you have two different parts of this playing. In some cases, parents remove from the decision process and all of this. And another part when the parents drive the process. So we go to clip 13. And the story that we talked about in all of this was from NBC News. And that story is family with trans kids increasingly forced to travel out of state for their health care. A couple of pull quotes from this story, just so we're very clear with people like Elise Kaplan who say this sort of thing is not happening. Quote number one. Take a look right here and, and, and talk about this this um, this little boy who, who now they call Flower, who apparently wants to be a girl. And the mother is Jenny Lynn. And they set off on a trip, unsteady but hopeful. They bought a care plan from Indiana University, and then they found out maybe Indiana is not going to allow this sort of thing. At the time, the pair worried whether Chicago providers would meet their request for full support or as a backdrop of Indiana's or a backup of Indiana's ban if it went in place. In other words, could they go and get all these treatments in Chicago that they couldn't get in Indiana? Okay, the next set of quotes. This to me is what is terrifying. Okay. This is why I think this is partially parental rights and then partially, maybe in some cases, protecting kids as well. And here's that second quote from this particular story. And it says Jenny Lynn recalled asking early on whether her daughter's gender expression was permanent. She wondered if she had failed as a mom, especially while pregnant. Was it an incorrect food, a misvitamin? Ultimately, she and then Chris, I guess that's her husband, dismissed those theories as ungrounded in science and listened to their daughter who recalled the euphoria of wearing a princess dress at an early age. Flower cherished little red riding hood capes and felt certain of her identity from the start. You have a, 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 a child who likes, who to, dress likes up. to dress up. Yeah. And all of a sudden now that child is having gender reassignment surgery. So this is happening in, in the number of people who are going back on what they originally thought they wanted to do or were, felt like they were pushed into it. These things are exploding. So that's why we bring them up. And to sit there and call people extremists, and by the way, Moms of Liberty mentioned in this article from Elise Kaplan, she also jumped on the their extremist routine. Right, they're, they're moms who care about their kids' right. education and what's being taught in the schools. That makes them an extremist. So, you know, when we talk about these things, that's why we talk about them. And, and, and so these bills are happening. Uh, you know, parents are being cut out. Or in some cases, parents are running headlong into this. And I think the simple solution to this is what we said from the very beginning is when a child is 18 years old, then they can make that call. Right. But I think before then, there's too much happening in so many vulnerable kids, especially kids, especially kids with things like autism, like girls with autism in, in, in this world 
are very susceptible to this. And that's something we're very sensitive about. So to sit there and think that, that you can just push a kid into something or you can cut a parent out of something is incredibly dangerous to me. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So that's why we talk about these things. And that's why it's important to at least educate everybody on what's going on. Right. And we are, as you said, we're incredibly passionate about this subject because we have experience with people in school systems who basically funnel their their feelings and their thoughts to children without knowing all of the backstory for that kid. And that's a dangerous situation because I do not think that our teachers and our counselors and even our school nurses know the ins and outs of all of that, um, especially for the thousand kids or more than that. It's just not their role or their responsibility in that capacity. So I just think we absolutely should be talking about this as parents Without question. And I just think, you know, we're told even as parents, like, hey, don't jump the gun when your kid is saying they want to do that. I don't want to go to college or I don't want to do this or I, I, all the things that your kid says, right? Because they're developing and their brains all over the place and they've got a lot of hormones going, all kinds of things. Let the kid have the freedom to speak to you about things at the dinner table. And your, your job is to guide them, right? And to help. Okay, let's talk about this and let's see why you feel that way about this. But all in all, most people aren't really fully developed. Their brain is not fully developed. Women, it's like 25, I think. And men is even longer than that. So maybe we let kids be kids yeah. and we don't make permanent life altering choices for our children. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. Okay. A couple of these, uh, before we wrap up here and get to the interview, uh, our our last show with Jay talking about what's going to happen in Iowa. I think we got that pretty right. We thought, yeah, you we guys thought nailed Trump that one. Yeah. Trump did roll. Now, New Hampshire is going to be closer. Yeah. It, it's Which going to be closer. Expected. That's kind of yeah. what's been expected. No. I, and so if you go look at the polls and where they are and what's going on, I, I think a couple things become obvious. It's between Haley and, and Trump in New Hampshire. And I think if you look at the polls there, you know, you'll see him. Haley trims Trump's lead. And then you see another poll that says they're dead even or it's close. And and so uh, what's interesting here with this is, you know, how close will it be? Haley needs to win. She needs to win in New Hampshire, um, and I don't think she's going to, but she needs to. Or she needs to make it really tight. Yeah, I think she's got to win. I, I don't think there's any way. I, I mean, if she if Trump goes and wins by 15, I think that's a real problem, right? So she's got it. Yeah, maybe she gets within five six points. That's that's good, but I don't I, I don't think so. I think and, and I think Trump is. I think it's going to be tough here. And if you look at the uh, clip 15, you can see from the 538 poll numbers, if we just kind of show you where the poll numbers are across the board. I think broadly here, I think Trump's looking right now at somewhere between a 10 and 12 point lead. I think that's where he's at. And and you can go check out 538 and, and, and you can see what some of these numbers look like. But, but you know, I'm have Trump at 50 and Haley at 34. And then one has them both at 40. You know, who knows, you know, where it's at Trump at 44, Haley, 28, you know, 45, 31 Trump. So we'll see how it shakes out. So Jamie Dimon um, is interesting because he's one of the real kind of financial leading minds in the country, right? Runs one of the country's largest banks. And they're in Switzerland for the, what um, what is this thing? The World Economic Forum, right? WEF. And so he had something very interesting to say about Trump voters. And and I think it made a lot of sense. and, And I think it's pretty instructive. I think, especially for people on the left, listen to this. When people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. 
He grew the economy quite well. China, China Ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't. Th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. He, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues, and that's why the vote for him. And and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite well. And, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, not, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy. Mm, I love it is a solid comment. I mean, and and he's a Democrat, correct? Or or... yeah, I think he's probably center left. I don't I don't know his politics really well. But yeah, he's definitely not somebody who is, you know, clearly on the right. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, He's just saying, can we please stop the madness, which is what we've been saying. Well, and and you hear it all the time. Like, why would anyone vote for it? Why would anyone? Why? Because of the policies, because right. you see where, what's happening here. And, and, and this, there's so much that's going to go into this race. Obviously, we'll talk about it many times. But it's interesting to hear him say that. And then Argentinian President Milley goes. And I love he this goes, guy. So he goes to the World Economic Forum. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the World Economic Forum, for those of you who don't know what it is, basically, it's it's a group of people who uh, kind of gets into that. They're the ultimate elitist of elitists. Right. It's it's exactly the opposite of of what your kind of, you know, um, individual liberty person stands for. These are the elites that decide they're going to run the world. They don't care what country you're from. There's this whole amorphous one, you know, one group of people who thinks they're the smartest people in the room and and they want to run the world, basically. Right. And, And so the way they want to run the world is through not individual liberty, but through collectivism through socialism, through basically they hand you what you get. Mm-hmm. And so President Milley had a few things to tell him, and he told them right to their face and drove it down Main Street. And I love this guy. Thank you very much. Today I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Nails it, Mm -hmm. which is this thought is very simple. And I don't care what political party you're in because you can have liberals that are for individual liberty. You can have conservatives that are for individual liberty. You have libertarians that are for individual liberty. It is the key factor in what has made this country great. It's the individual over the collectivism. And you say to yourself, what's wrong with collectivism? There's nothing wrong with a group of people getting together and trying to look out for each other. But the collective group is never more important than the individual. The individual liberty is what made this country great. It's very easy to fall into that trap to say, I want to be part of the collectivism. 
That is devastating. That is what ends up taking your rights, stripping them away, and leaving you with nothing. Those individual liberties are something we all have to fight for. And he talks about how it'll strip, it'll make you poor. Like that's what ends up happening is that we're going to keep a certain class of people down here and then there's going to be a certain class of people up here. Yeah. So watch out because if that's and what you want, that's what, that's what the end game is. Oh, it, and I don't know how people are waking up to that and they're like, oh, they're just looking out for everybody. They're looking out for my health care. They're looking out for it, me getting all my, my, my Medicaid. They're looking out for, all, no, they're not. No, they're not. Well, they want well, you down here and they want you to stay uneducated and dependent on them so they can stay up here and they can tell you what to do. That's all it is. The, the, the difference between this country and, and, and most other experiments in the world with government is our middle class. It's what is so important to have people that are, that are, that are, you know, the working poor work their way up to the middle class. It's that middle class that makes this country different. And it's so critical. So mm-hmm. it's what we have to protect. There's no doubt. All right. One other thing, and I have to say, I don't know if you've seen this clip. This is infuriating to me. I, I Oh, I, this is bad. So I watched this clip and, and I just, it made me so angry. So I want you to watch the clip and then, and we'll show you, but I, I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it's, it's crazy. Let's just, this is actually, let me just set the table yeah. here. This is an event in Iowa that Ron DeSantis did a few days ago, just before the, um, the Iowa caucuses. And so if you haven't seen this clip, here it is. Everyone, Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. <laughs> now, probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. Participation trophy. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. He's sorry, buddy. Sorry. 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 Has no clue what it's like to go and do what he's trying to do. Is not nearly as accomplished as DeSantis, who by every account has been a tremendous governor, especially if you're a Republican. And for you to walk up in your little clown shoes and try to hand him a participation trophy and call him a snowflake, it is ridiculous. And I'll tell you, when you think about running for office, the days that concern you the most by far, are not the days when you're in the general election going toe-to-toe with the person in the other party. What scares you the most is when you go into those rooms and you end up with your own people yelling at you when you guys have the same values, or at least you think you do. And when anybody decides to run for political office, what they always think of in their head, especially if they've run before, is do I have the fortitude to walk into rooms and get into fights with people that I'm supposed to agree with? By far, the primary is a much tougher process always than the general election. And, and, and this is why, and, if, and guys like this are why, clowns like this who don't even belong in the same room as Ron DeSantis going and handing him some stupid trophy. And, and, and it just makes me so mad because Republicans do it to each other all the time. Yeah, they eat their own. They decide, yeah, let's get into a big fight and I'm going to go insult this guy. You have no idea, unless you've been in the arena you should at least be supporting the people that are in the arena, especially right. the people on your own party. I do not understand this. I will never understand this. But if you've learned anything is maybe just keep your mouth shut. If you don't like the candidate, your opportunity to show that is when you vote. It is. Has, well, and you can, you can ask them tough questions. Well, you can ask questions, but you don't need to be a big old 
like bleep me out, but <laughs> big old jerk about it. Like you don't yeah. have to do that. Uh. You have to have respect for the process and you should have rep- res- mutual respect for the people who are running. I don't care if they're on your party or the other party, but right. especially when they're in your party. Yeah. No, it, it just, which is why I don't like the fact that I don't even appreciate the fact of, of Trump making that picture of Haley. Yeah. Like it's unnecessary. It creates that kind of like, Hey, it's okay to bash the other candidates. It's not okay. Especially not in our own party. Like cast your vote. Be supportive of those that you want to support. Get behind those that you want to. Write a check if you want to. Go to an event for somebody. Make a phone call. Get a sign. All of those things. But to take a personal attack against somebody who's running for office, you've never done it. And unless you've done it, you should just keep your mouth shut. Well, and that, again, I, I mean, yeah. Coming from the spouse. Well, no, it's not thought. even. Yeah, no. I, and I, I get, I mean, or at least, you know. You're not funny. I mean, that's just the point. The point in this whole thing is you're not funny. You think you're funny, dork. You're not funny. Okay. So that, that part of it is just, you know, whatever it, it is what it is. But I, I, I and just, it's funny to me watching it. Cause Casey, his wife got more, she was like, oh, she was oh, mad by the end. She was yeah. pissed and yeah. I don't blame her. And she's looking for the security, like get this clown yeah, out of here. She looks at the detail and is like, listen, get this. Yeah. Guy get out. this more out of here where yeah. he's kind of like, whatever. I don't need your reward because you guys as the candidates are stronger than the spouses. I mean, you just are emotionally. You're like, whatever spouses are like, oh, it's go time. Yeah, you- no, And look, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> look, you want to unload or you want to ha- ask tough questions. That's not what I'm that saying, you absolutely to do should. It. It's nothing absolutely to do should. But you know, the, the part of it where you think you're funny guy because you hand out an award and you're some gumshoe who who has no clue. I, I just it it made me so mad. So anyway, so that was our <laughs> video of the day, I guess. So now it's I guess it's interview time. Yes, let's come back and have an interview with Marie Rogerson. Rogerson, sorry, of uh, Moms for Liberty. All right. You're listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. Back to your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti. Well, like we said before, we took a little break. A lot of parents are concerned about their children's curriculum, their education, how they get involved, how can they get more involved. And we have a special guest that's coming in to Albuquerque to talk about this exact thing. And we are excited to be able to introduce her to all of our listeners. Her name is Marie Rogerson. She's the executive. She's on the executive board of Moms for Liberty. So welcome, Marie. Thank you so much for joining us today and being able to kind of give us some guiding light and some help and some encouragement as parents um, in such a tough situation. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk about anything that helps parents anywhere in this country. Well, Marie, I, we have to say, uh, you don't look like an extremist to me, Marie. I I, I have oh, to tell you. I mean, the red hair is not a dead giveaway. No, that, that's unfair right there. I agree. That's completely unfair. So I, I do want to say the, the lunacy of, of all of this, because we have to start with this. And I want to start off with mm-hmm. this because it is it is so infuriating to see that a group of parents who gets together and decides that they want to have a say in what happens in their kids' lives are suddenly turned into extremists. And, and, and people have, you know, we've talked about what's happened at school board meetings with the Biden administration and things like that. Well, in the Albuquerque Journal, Marie, there, there was an article a few months ago where, where the Southern Poverty Law Center was quoted talking about you guys, talking about, about your group, where they called you an extremist group. Now, now I, I want to give you a chance to to talk about how ridiculous this truly is. But I think what's important to start with is people need to know when the Albuquerque Journal goes and prints this, like the Southern Poverty Law Center is actually able to be an honest broker and assess extremism when they themselves are one of the most extremist groups and, and agents of chaos in the United States. It's staggering. So just so you know, the people that are calling your group extremists, the Southern Poverty Law Center, are for defunding the police, 
They're for no cash bond catch and release. And they're for sanctuary city policies that are tearing apart the United States. Now, just so you know, defunding the police and the no cash bond, that's the sort of stuff that has been devastating in the state of New Mexico. The no cash bond has led to a tripling of the homicide rate in Albuquerque. And we are one of the most violent states in the country because of it. So, Marie, when you hear all of this and you hear some of these people say these things, does it kind of give you this thought of like, hey, you know what? We're on to something and we're doing the right thing. Yeah, one of our founders, Tiffany, always likes to say, you know, you're over the target when you're taking the flack. And that is absolutely the case with the SPLC. I mean, I opened an article this morning, I was reading it, that talked about the fact that it was seemingly the Biden White House that reached out to them uh, to help them uh, go against extremists in our country, domestic terrorists, as they would say. And to know that you know, it's okay to have an entity out there that that's job it is to look for bad things that are happening in our country, right? That's totally okay. It, but when you are doing it in coordination with potentially the White House or other political interests, you have to just call into question the motives for what is going on there. And anyone who wants to call a group of a grassroots group of moms like Moms for Liberty extremists does not understand parents because there's nothing about advocating for your children and trying to get them to have the best education. That is extreme. That is basic. That is fundamental. That is normal. Well, and let, for those people that are out there that have not heard of Moms of Liberty by now, tell us a little bit more about the organization and how you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So Moms for Liberty was founded in 2021. Tina and Tiffany are two founders. Both of them served on school boards. They saw behind the education curtain, as they like to say, and they understood that there were policies and things that were being put into place that were harmful for kids and harmful for families. And so in, in 2021, they launched Moms for Liberty. I came on board really very quickly after they launched. And the three of us started Honestly, we didn't really know where we were going. We knew what we wanted to accomplish. We knew we were out to save America by unifying, educating, and empowering parents. But we had no idea how quickly it would grow and how fast it would move and how many parents would be involved at this point. So Monster Liberty has grown to 300 chapters in 48 states. We have 130,000 plus members. And they, we are a grassroots organization. Tina and Tiffany don't sit at our national organization and orchestrate everything that happens. They are um, the guiding light of our organization, keeping us on mission. But the moms on the ground determine what is going on in their school districts. And those are the things that they tackle. That's not uniform. We do see a lot of similar things going on across the country. But a mom in Albuquerque may have a very different issue than a mom in Florida, for example. And so those moms in our chapters are able to identify those things advocate for or against the things they need to see and get things done. It, it just tells me. So let's talk about a few through lines there on what some of the biggest issues are, though. As you mentioned, they will change from different community to community. But what are you seeing are, are the battle lines that you look at and say, we have to be paying attention to this because if we let this continue, it's going to get to a point where it could be untenable. What are some of those issues that you're most concerned with? Yeah, uh, so I'm. I'm going to talk about the fundamental ones. A lot of the times when people ask that question or something similar to it, they want to hear about some of the more hot button issues, right? Because gender ideology, for example, or the books in schools are the cool thing that everybody wants to be talking about all the time. But the fundamental principles behind those things that are the problem, that are the, like you said, the through line across everything is a complete disregard for parental rights and a lack of understanding about the real purpose of public education. When our children can't read, 
it doesn't matter what else is going on. We are failing as a society and we are failing as parents because we are not preparing our children for adult life. We are not preparing them to be good citizens. We are not preparing them to be able to defend the principles that make our country great. So to me, the number one through line is the fact that our children are not learning to read and that parents, when they step up and say something like, my child's not learning what they're supposed to be learning. Instead, they're learning all these other things that are hot button issues. Uh, the parent is silenced and no one takes them seriously. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a part of what Mark spoke about during his campaign. I can't remember the stats. We, we, we had roughly, stats on math yeah, and roughly, science. Math roughly and our kids in the state of New Mexico, Marie, about 30% of them can read to grade level and about 25% can do math to grade level. Yeah, so obviously a big concern on that. So when you guys meet, like, so I'm, my understanding is, is it similar to to a kind of a PTA type organization where you guys have weekly or monthly meetings, you get together, you guys discuss some of the topics and how people can get more involved? Is that is it an education process for parents? Talk us Absolutely. through what those meetings are are really about. So chapter meetings across the country look a little different depending on what chapter you're at. Um, sometimes they're tiny chapters and it's 10 people and it's just very, very PTA-esque moms who care about their education that get together sometimes over dinner and they talk about what's going on. Sometimes we have larger chapters and they have much more organized, um, massive meetings. But generally speaking, our chapters meet once a month and their job is to go over their school district agendas, see what the school district is voting on and meeting about that month, educate the community on those issues and the things that sometimes get hidden in the agendas. And then they decide their best course of action often these moms find so many issues that they have to prioritize because you cannot take on all the things all the time. So a lot of what our chapters do and our chapter leadership specifically have to do is identify the most important things first and tackle those and then move on to the next and the next and the next. Sounds like an extremist group to me. Yeah, I mean, no, you're crazy. You know, it's, you get, it's, it's clear. Crazy. It's clear. <laughs> how completely bonkers this whole group is. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about um, where, where we go from here and ways to attack this, because you guys get together and, and, and you have groups all over the country. It's taken off very, very quickly and been very successful in that respect because there's real need for it. And it's also something, too, that you know, we've seen people from across the political spectrum jump on this as well. Have you noticed that, that, that more and more you're getting other people that are saying, wait a minute, you know, I may have fallen into a, a different political party than, than many people that may show up at a Moms for Liberty meeting, but then they realize, wait a minute, especially with the advent of COVID and what happened and how much parents were removed from the mix, have you seen this thing expand beyond maybe what you thought it might have originally? Yeah, so one of the fascinating things about Moms for Liberty, people assume that we are generally lean a certain way politically. They would be shocked to, to learn that only... I think it's the last time we checked 60, 66% maybe of our membership belongs to a certain political party. The rest of our membership falls everywhere else on the political spectrum. And even though many of our members belong to a one party or another, most of our people are not what would you would consider a political person. They often are not registered to vote when they come in and join Moms for Liberty. If they are registered to vote, they don't have a great habit of voting in primaries. They tend to be the average American voter who generally only votes in the presidential elections. So there is a, what we are activating in our Moms for Liberty chapters are is a younger demographic than the typical political sphere. And it is a group of people who don't 
necessarily want to be political. Generally speaking, most Republicans and Democrats are angry at their parties. No one really likes the parties. That's why the independents are growing so rapidly in our country. And so it is a group of people who want are not focused on the labels. We are nonpartisan. We don't really care if you're a Republican. We don't really care if you're a Democrat. What we care about is parental rights. So if you are willing to stand with us on those issues, come what may. be. You can be purple, green, yellow, blue. I don't care. Just come and fight for our kids. Turns out that people on, of all sides care about their kids. I mean, that's kind of the common thread there. Um, it so is. You, you're coming into town. There's a lot of ways people can kind of get educated um, armored up, so to speak. I mean, I don't mean to say it's a battle, but it kind of is a battle in certain in certain areas on this. So you're coming into town to do a seminar uh, starting, uh, I believe it's all day Saturday here in Albuquerque. Correct. And you have kind of pitched the idea that it's, it's important to, to get involved in things, not only to co- come to a meeting, but maybe folks out there are thinking, should I get involved in the school board? Should I, should I run for city council? Should I support a certain kind of candidate? Should I just actually volunteer at a, in a, a candidate's forum or program? Or should I hand out signs? Whatever. Talk a little bit about what this seminar is going to be and who it's for. Awesome. I'm so happy to have the opportunity to talk about it because it is a passion project for me. So the genesis of this seminar actually goes back several months into 2023 when we did some initial campaign training with a group called the Leadership Institute out of D.C., um, whose purpose it is to increase the number and effectiveness of conservative activists. And we did that training and it was great. Um, But we took out of that training that when you are teaching people to run for office or to run a campaign for people, um, that is a small segment of the population. But the principles of what you're teaching about effectively messaging something work when you are a candidate and they work when you are a mom who just wants to talk to her neighbor who may not know what's going on in schools. So we re kind of rebranded these seminars into what we're calling winning workshops. And the purpose of those workshops are to teach people to win, whether they are running for office, whether they're helping a friend run for office, or they just want to win the hearts and minds of their next door neighbors, because the principles of civic engagement are the same. And they are, there are effective time tested, proven strategies for winning in these types of arenas. And so that is what we're coming in to talk to people about, encouraging them to get involved, encouraging them to take a step forward. It's terrifying to run for office, but Even if you go into it and you know you don't ever want to run for office, you can be an effective mouthpiece for whatever it is you care about in your community. And that is what we're there to teach you to be, is effective. Well, and we can back that up because obviously, you know, we're a very politically involved family, obviously, but you can't even begin to run a campaign if you don't have the support and the volunteers that that get behind you and do a lot of the work that's behind that. And so, you know, if let's just say I am I'm somebody who really maybe I don't really want to get involved politically, but I'm concerned maybe about my kids curriculum or I'm concerned that I don't have great a great communication strategy with my my kids school. If I come this weekend, if I come on Saturday, what am I going to learn? Yeah, you will learn a couple of really important things. The first, the, the thing that tends to be the standout in our course is the messaging section. Um, we go over cam- a little bit of campaign information in the morning, and then we send, spend a huge chunk of time in the afternoon talking about messaging. Because if you are a mom and you're concerned about what's going on in your kids' schools and you want to make a difference, it can seem very overwhelming. But if you understand how to effectively speak, whether that's going and getting 60 seconds at your school board meeting or whether that's 
calling and setting a meeting with your school board member. Um, we can teach you how to message properly. Oftentimes, unfortunately, we have created an environment in this country where parents um, have allowed the government to take over some of our fundamental responsibilities. And while I very much appreciate and uh, am grateful for the public education system, um, it is our ultimate duty as parents to educate our children. So when we see that our public school is not giving our children the things they need, if we don't have the ability to pull them out, then our job is to make sure that that child is getting what they need to. And too often, our parents are abdicating that responsibility to the public school system and the public school system alone. So when my kids come home from school, we talk about what they've learned. We fill in the blanks. Sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, my teacher said this. And I have. there's a little bit of like correcting of the narrative that has to happen sometimes. We also, as a family, are part of what we do to help our children understand that they're it's not just the public school system that's here to educate you. When we do things like go on vacation, we go to historic sites and we teach our children the, the history of America so that their, their entire existence is about learning. That's the purpose of life. It's to learn and to grow. And so they're getting education and information from somebody that's not just the public school system. It's not just their teacher. Um, we're grateful for those people. My children attend a public charter school in Florida. Their teachers are awesome. We've had great experiences, but... I am the ultimate, the, the person ultimately responsible for my children's education, and I'm not going to let anyone else take that from me. Yeah, and, and I wonder, are you shocked at the reaction sometimes that you receive either from the power structure that is in place right now that that is is to me is is it's shocking at times to see how how aggressive they are in trying to stop parents and families from stepping back into the education system. It seems to me that that a lot of families, we sort of assumed the best in our schools for a long time. Meanwhile, there was a real a real movement to, to, to go and move children in a certain direction that I think people are waking up to now. Have you seen that sort of the reaction? Has that taken, a, taken you aback at any point? Uh, I mean, I think initially it took us aback. I think Tina and Tiffany and I, and I were all a little shocked at the beginning, um, but it makes sense. And three years into it now, I think we're it, there's very little that shocks us about their reaction now. Um, but to me, it proves the point of the value of motherhood. They know that an engaged mother who understands how her country works, understands how the public school system functions, is engaged in her children's upbringing, whether that's at school or out of it, that is a, a dangerous thing for somebody who wants to control a populace. And so anything that they can do to undermine motherhood or families allows them to take control. And that is not any particular political party, okay? And that is just, you know, the way that the world works. We can, I'm a student of history. I've watched people do that across across time. Bad things happen when our children and our society does not understand those principles. And so I think it's a very, it doesn't shock me. It just proves the point that yeah. mothers to them are dangerous yeah. and they want to do anything they can to stop us. Silence the voice. And obviously we have, you know, we get a lot of emails that come into uh, to, um, our show that talk about, you know, maybe they didn't know what their kid was learning, what they had to read in high school and, and some of the things that are happening. And they're asking us um, as podcast hosts to shine some light on this and discuss this. So just do you have some tips for parents? I mean, it's not just moms. It's dads that are actually writing into us, too, and concerned grandparents, which have a huge influence on our children here in New Mexico. What are some tips that you could give parents 
that maybe you're finding out, hey, my kid's reading this literature book that I don't really think is a great idea at this age level, and I'm not getting anywhere with the teacher when I reach out to that teacher. Do you have any other advice or tips for these folks? Yeah, my, you started with the thing that's most important. Always start closest to the problem. So, and start joyfully, please. Sometimes we get really upset because we see something that upsets us. And sometimes if there's a very innocent explanation for things. So start kindly. Most of our teachers in America are excellent people who are just trying to help educate students. So go in with a positive attitude, see what you can get accomplished with the teacher. When the teacher won't listen, there is a there is a structure in public education. You go to the admin. When the admin won't listen, you go to the district. When the district won't listen, that is when you got to employ some new skills. And that is where I think Moms for Liberty chapters play a huge role. There is a reason why 300 plus chapters exist and why we encourage people to continue starting them. Because as a single person, you can be, actually have a very effective loud voice. I don't want to discourage anyone from using their voice. But when you are just one person, your power is limited. When you are able to gather people around you who see the same problem, then you are able to have a larger impact. And that is why it's important to have chapters in their area so that when a mom gets frustrated in a certain school district, she has somewhere to go. Somebody else who's been down that, that road who can point her in the right direction. It's one of the beautiful things about this national network that Moms for Liberty has created is that if you're experiencing something in Albuquerque, someone else has probably experienced it somewhere else. And they can tell you like, oh, well, you know, I tried this in my district. It didn't work very well. You can try it there or maybe try something else. So we're able to act kind of as an early warning system and see the things that are coming and advise other parents across the country about, about things that are working and things that aren't. And when you see where things are now nationally, are, are you seeing an improvement here? Are you seeing the narrative change to some degree? Do you think there's progress being made here? Or is this one of these things that, you know, it didn't happen overnight that, that we saw this kind of removing of parents uh, in it being substituted for by basically the state? Uh, is this something that's obviously going to be a long-term battle that we have to invest in for decades because, or maybe permanently, right? But have you noticed some of what is happening here? It is, it's making progress, it's working. And do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I I think you nailed it. It's both, right? It is absolutely something that's taken a long time and will take a long time for us to, to correct. That's just facts of the matter. But I do see so much progress. And it is, unfortunately, it's progress that's made it's not even unfortunate. I don't want to say that it is. It's progress that's not going to make it into the headlines. It's individual relational progress. It's you talking to uh, an admin and them seeing you're not an extremist or a crazy person. You just want something that's great for kids and you want to see something happen. And that is what is taking place quietly all across the country. And that those little wins look like, you know, a new superintendent getting voted in in a school district. It looks like books being being inappropriate, age-inappropriate books being pulled out of schools and better books being used. It looks like great people being elected to school board across the country. There are tiny victories that are happening all the time. And unfortunately, the national narrative is so focused at the national level that you don't see and you don't hear it. One of the one of my favorite things that happens in Moms for Liberty, we have a a Zoom call for our chapter leadership once a month. And those chapter leaders get on and we have um, a winning segment where we talk about all the little victories they've had. And those little victories matter. Those are the things that 
that show them they can change the world and that encourage them to keep going. And those things are happening all the time. If you don't have a chapter in your area, follow us on social media. Moms for Liberty is active on almost every social media you can be on. And they're often sharing the stories of these little victories. So they're great things to watch because they are, it is changing. Whether I know it feels overwhelming. I know the narrative is so negative right now, but I promise you there are great wonderful things happening all across America. And one of the best ways to stay encouraged is to get involved with Moms for Liberty and watch them yourself. Okay. And kind of a crazy question, but do I have to be a mom to come to a Moms for Liberty? It's a great question. So we are Moms for Liberty because we were founded by moms. And in my personal opinion, it is the duty of a mother to nurture her children. But we have dads who lead chapters. We have grandparents who are active. You can be anything you want to be, and you can come into Moms for Liberty as long as you are dedicated to defending parental rights. Okay. So tell us really fast, where can we sign up or find out more information? Because this show is airing on Thursday and your seminar in Albuquerque is starting on Saturday. Is it free? Is it something I need to register for? Can anybody come that's part of this that has the same vision as you guys do? Yeah. If you want to learn more about Moms for Liberty or join Moms for Liberty as a at-large member or maybe start a chapter, all of that information is available at momsforliberty.org. There's tons of information there. We have a national summit in uh, Washington in August and September that, that you can learn more about as well. But the info for the seminar in Albuquerque, you can find under the events tab, just scroll to the right date. You'll see it there. It'll have all the information. It's free to members of Moms for Liberty at large membership is free. So all you got to do is sign up online and then you can attend for free though. I do strongly encourage you to join your local chapter if there's one in your area. Um, and then you can just come and join us. If you struggle at all online, you can always email um, there, there's an email on the event information and they'll answer all your questions. Okay. And you know, we will make it a little easier for folks to, we'll link the, um, the registration information for the Albuquerque show specifically, or the Albuquerque seminar specifically in our show notes. So you can also scroll down and find that as well. So we'll try to make that a little easier for people. So Marie, thank you so much for what you're doing and for, you know, coming out and, just trying to give us some support and encouragement and just be a bright light in this world, which is what, you know, we're trying to all kind of do, especially as parents. So thank you so much for your time. And we wish you much success at this seminar. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to have people like you who are doing things on the ground that are getting voices out. Like this is such a powerful platform. Thank you for, for doing that and for inviting people to talk about the things that real Americans care about. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, well, we appreciate it. That's what it. we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. Thanks so much, Marie. You have a great afternoon. For listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. Back to your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti. Well, hopefully that gave some information for parents out there. And uh, if you're interested in going to that, make sure that you check out their websites and you can tap into all that information and yeah. more about this weekend. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. No doubt. And it'll be good. And coming up on Monday, we will take a preview look at the race in New Hampshire. It could well be the closest race that we have in this primary season on either side anywhere. So we'll see how that goes. We'll get you some information on that and a great guest on it. We're working on right now. We'll have it going for you on Monday. But again, thanks for joining us and we'll see you back here on Monday. You've been listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Doubt About It Podcast. No Doubt About It.
The No Doubt About It podcast is a Choose Adventure Media production. See you next time on No Doubt About It. There is no doubt about it.